so you would have been privy to the script for Game of Thrones and was that quite stressful? Did you get those people being like, what happens? What happens? Um, how do you keep that secret? <laughs> it's funny, I think initially I was really, every time I read it, oh God, I can't. And actually people weren't really interested in the first series, but I mean, towards the end, it, I sometimes got really scared that I might actually say it without realising I'd said it. Um, <laughs> Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is costume designer Michelle Clapton, who from a young age always had an interest in fabric and clothing. After studying at the London College of Fashion, she pursued a career in fashion design, opening a store in Kensington Market and designing clothes for a shop partly owned by Boy George. Later, she organised performing clothes at ICA combining fashion and dance performance. Michelle took a break from fashion and began styling bands, designing pop promos and commercials. This led her eventually into designing costumes for film and television. Michelle was a costume designer for the HBO series Game of Thrones for seven seasons, for which she has won five Emmy Awards and a BAFTA. She has also designed the first season of the Netflix show The Crown, for which she won a BAFTA and an Emmy. She's also won another BAFTA for Devil's Whore and six costume design guilds, along with numerous nominations, and a New York Women's in Film and Television Designer of the Year 2019. Michelle's most recent work has been designing costumes for films such as The King's Man and The Secret Garden, which are to be released later this year. Hi, Michelle. Hi there, hi. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. It's, I'm really excited about our chat. Um, <laughs> so what does being a costume designer involve for you? Oh, start with a big question. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, if I try to sum it up, it's sort of, um, it's storytelling. It's my my medium of helping to tell a story. So when I read a script, I sort of try to interpret visually how I, how I see it. And then hopefully the people I'm working for agree with me. And that's what we try and create. Ah, okay. And then, so there's a, um, there'll be X amount of research um, that goes into your design process. So how do you start when you're given a script, say? Well, obviously some a script sent to me and I'll, I'll usually scan through it pretty quickly to get an idea if it's something that I'd be interested in. Mm. Um, and if I get really excited about it, I, I, I get really excited about it quite quickly and I sort of read through it again um, and just sort of get an idea of where I'd like, like to take it because invariably, well, you often have to have interviews. You're very rarely just given a job. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, you can spend some time with the director and producer, so it's good to make sure that it's a good fit if you can in an hour's meeting I'm not sure um and so then I guess I would also quickly assess what sort of crew I think I would need because it's so busy in the UK at the moment mm. um finding crew is sort of like key to being able to do a, a job so I would try and find a supervisor almost instantly and then start penciling crew and finding out who's free um and the whole while through this I'll, I'll start talking to assistant designers and just collating images and if it's a period piece looking into the period maybe there's a researcher already on the job who'll send details of what they've already done so it's just sort of I think the first few weeks are just finding your way into it and and if they have cast that's quite interesting they often don't have cast at that stage other than <laughs> sort of leave who then aren't available you know typically um, and uh 
And so, yeah, it's feeling your way in and it's finding a, a direction that you want to take it and talking to the production designer because they've always been on, well, invariably been on longer than you have. So it's interesting to sort of talk colours. Um, actually, I'd always get loads of colours dyed up beforehand, like a whole palette so on calicos and silk, so I can just sort of play with that. And so it's a good way into a conversation with the production designer and the director. Yeah, so that's the way in. It's just sort of slowly, just some sort of collating I guess, and and finding a direction that everyone, well, particularly me, how I how I feel, how I want to take it. Yeah, and you mentioned um, that source, like not sourcing a team, finding a team, putting a team together. Mm. Uh, you've worked on Game of Thrones and The Crown, both, I imagine, or I, suspe- I assume they've both had quite big crews because of the nature of the job. How important? Because I. Because you're the top of that team, as it were. Mm-hmm. How important is it finding a team that you gel with well, and then also being a manager for a, such a vast team as well? Um, I mean, it's really it's sort of key. I mean, your your cutters and your your cutter actually, your chief cutter, I think, is really important, and your assistant designers. Um, and it's hard because ideally you just take your whole little gang with you from job to job. But mm. sometimes, you know, if you want to break some of them might go on to another job and yeah. or might be penciled for a job before you have another job. So that makes it really tough and the most stressful, really. On the job we're just doing at the moment, we, it's taking us months, really, to get the team right. Yeah. And with, the, with Game of Thrones, I mean, a lot of our crew um, were in Belfast and that job lasted, I mean, often eight months of the year. So wow. in a way, you managed it. People did come back to that all the time. I almost always had the same cutters and the same assistant designers pretty much all the way through um, and makers and armorers and everything. And that was a huge team. But actually the Crown wasn't a big cutting room. It was much smaller. We, I mean, it was very difficult, the Crown, because it was setting up a new series. And um, we had to send a lot out to get done just because we didn't have the space um, and we couldn't find the crew to to really fulfill it. So we had, I think we had three, four cutters on that. So Game of Thrones will have more and we'll have loads more makers. Um, so different jobs, different ways, but the crew is so important and it's so nice to discover new people sort of bring into your team and just to sort of widen. And I, the other thing I'd say is new crews sometimes bring in a whole new way of looking at something. Mm. I'm a real believer that although I'm sort of the top of the pyramid, I think I think my ideas grow once they start going out into the sort of various artisan sections, so, you know, jewellery or um, mm. armour or whatever. People will bring something to it in a skill that they have, which will make the costume grow and, and develop in a way that I might not have been able to see initially. So I think that team effort is really important. Ah, um, you mentioned that so with Game of Thrones, I have, I'm sorry, it's probably going to be a few Game of Thrones questions and you may already be bored of those, I'm not sure. But um, with which, which you've been nominated for a BAFTA, by the way, congratulations. Um, that's really you. exciting. The um, final one from Game of Thrones. Final, I think glad to see the back of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my question would have been is that but with something like that, you were there from its infancy and mm. I imagine they would have said to you we look to have x amount of seasons for this mm. is there is there when you're designing starting with something like that and likewise with the crown as well um would you have sort of a long-term vision as it were for the the way you want the costumes to evolve over the seasons or is it very much you kind of focus on what is there for that that season that you're working on at that time I think with Game of Thrones, it was really important to have a sort of long term view. I didn't know how many seasons there would be, but I did have an idea of the sort of 
because we have the books, the places mm. we might go to. So it was really because we were sort of it was a fantasy. We were making it up. We had to, um, I suppose, designate looks or ideas or colours for each place we might go to in the future, because I we didn't want to use it all up in in the first sort of in the first yeah. town or city. And and because I think it was often jumping from one place to another, it was really important in the script that you very quickly visually got that you were somewhere else. So we used blues and greens and browns in one area and oranges and reds in another one. And you know, just tried to sort of colour palette it quite uh, clearly. And I guess in some ways. It was easy because the climate was different in different places. So that instantly enabled us to sort of naturally shift looks and colours and cloths and textures. Uh, so that was really important. With the crown, actually, I mean, I I didn't know that I would only do uh, season one. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Game of Thrones, which I also didn't know I would do. But I, <laughs> I went back because... Because I'd set up Game of Thrones in such a way, it meant that I was freer to take on other jobs. So actually, while I was... Up, did seven and eight on Game of Thrones. I did Mamma Mia. I did uh, oh. Secret Garden. So I could actually take on other projects. With The Crown, it was just, it was brilliant. And I love the writing. I think it was so clever. But I really didn't want to get into another series having been on Game of Thrones for so long. Mm. And The Crown was so intense because every season it was new because we moved on in time. So yeah. I couldn't really use a lot of the stuff that I'd set up on season one on season two because it was whatever 10 years later than the beginning yeah. of one so so that's why um I went back to Game of Thrones um and and so the crown I mean even if I had thought I was going to do all of them I I still think it's it was so led by a historical family that it wasn't really necessary to sort of plan that far ahead because it would naturally move ahead when you started research into the next period oh okay that makes sense mm. um you illustrate your designs. Is that your way to communicate your vision, as it were? Yeah, it's my initially it's my way in. I'll always start sketching. Once I have all the colours and things I'm thinking of, I'll have them to hand. And fabric is really important for me. So my buyers are really key um, because I love to describe what I want and they try and find it. And often I like to go out on my own as well, because sometimes I can't describe what I haven't seen. So I, I tend to shop on my own a bit as well sometimes. Um, but yeah, then I'll start sketching. And I mean, I'm not an illustrator. I just sketch because it's it's the way I design. I, I like putting you know pen to paper, pencil to paper and watercolours because there's a it starts a thought process. And it sort of in a funny way buys me time. I can I can be, I look like I'm doing so, which I am. But if you just sit, sit there <laughs> thinking everyone interrupts you. But if you're actually painting, people actually leave you alone. <laughs> and, sort of, and I just think it's a lovely way to. To communicate and, and then sometimes I'll use an illustrator as well if I have to show something to the production or, mm. or they, you know, the money people they want to see how an actor would actually look in something then I'll use an illustrator because that's not my job but I will use my drawings to communicate with the workroom and the cutters and jewelers and whatever because I think I'm drawing the more detailed pieces it doesn't matter what it the actor's face looks like it's actually the, the details of what I'm trying to get across and 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 my cutters usually say that actually it's more informative than the sort of drawings that an illustrator might do for them it's a different purpose but yeah, yeah it, it I think lots of designers design in different ways but that that is mine it's my first thing to do really that kind of lends nicely into my next question which is how did you get into the costume world and then become a costume designer um I started I mean I was grew up in a really small village in just outside Oxford mm. and my my 
dad had a garage and my mum worked for him and there was nothing really in our family that suggested this it might be a direction I wanted to go and um, I was I always loved clothes I always was making things for myself out of towels and white dolls and I was really interested in the way fabric felt and the colours and spent a lot of time as a child I can still remember the smell of some dresses how they felt on me I just was really obsessed and watched people all the time and so I mean I was very lucky I had a careers advisor who said, well, what do you want to do? And I went, I don't know, but I like art and I like fashion. <laughs> and so <laughs> they said, well, why don't you go and do some sitting gills in sewing and textiles? And so that's sort of what led me down that path. I'm completely, I mean, so lucky. And But I did go into fashion first, which I think now, if on reflection, I probably wouldn't have done flash. I might have, but I, I think I might have actually done sculpture or or costume design because I came very late to costume design because I didn't a I didn't know about it when I was younger and it took me a while to realize oh god actually this is something I could really enjoy so I came through fashion and then I started loads of bands and did commercials and it was and I always started lots of videos and I used to make all the costumes myself with my assistant and they were and every week we made some crazy thing you know they <laughs> for some other pop star and it would be really excessive stuff sometimes that you'd be requested to do so we just used to make it in our workshop whatever it was you know <laughs> something had to be like a, from the top it had to look like a flower and the camera panned down it was a woman in a dress with a hat and go okay well how can we make this and we would make it and, oh wow uh, sort of like you no know, four meter crinolines like and with covered in silk that I mean just crazy stuff and so uh, that sort of I think that ability to make and solve problems has stood me in good stead because I didn't ever assist in costumes. So I just came in as a designer, which was quite nerve wracking initially because I didn't understand continuity or anything like that. And course sheets, I just couldn't make head or tail of them. So it took me a couple of jobs, <laughs> really good assistant designer before I sort of could understand what all that meant. But, um, but yeah, I think maybe I would have come to it sooner had I known more about it. But I guess also what you the experiences that you have had have in, now inform how you approach design and like you say the problem solving aspect of it. So I guess you may have been a different type of designer maybe if you'd just gone straight into it. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, possibly so. I mean, I found I found my way in the end, which is great. So I'm yeah. sort of happy. I'm, and I do think it, it actually probably does make me a different designer. I do have a sort of I think I think it, it makes me quite suitable for fantasy. But then I also I. I'm very into costumes being very stylish, but also to look like clothes. I hate costumes unless they're meant to be to yeah. look like costumes. I want I want people to be in their be in their clothes. I don't know. It's a funny. I hate it yeah. when things look too pretty. Oh look, that person. And they sort of they don't they don't live in that costume. That sort of annoys me sometimes. I think that's actually a running th uh, running sort of theme as it were that's come across when I've spoken to people is that they say that the most successful costumes um, are the ones that look like they're meant to be there and if yeah. you don't notice them they're lived in and they're part of that character then they've been successful so no it makes complete sense what you're saying. It's funny on someone like Princess Margaret or the Queen you want them to be noticed but they you still want that person to inhabit that costume so you know if, if it's a huge ball going yes of course it's going to be looked at but it actually looks like it was designed for that person not for not that it had just happened you know happened on them I, yeah. sort of, I, don't, I just think it can inform an actor so much as well as to how their character is if costume fits really well if it's supposed to fit well and and has aging if it's supposed to be aged and doesn't fit if it's not meant to fit there are all these things that 
I think are really key um, to making an actor or enhance the storytelling of an actor. Uh, very, that's very true. So just in reference to that, actually, then what are the highlights of your job? What do you enjoy the most? Um, I love setting up big scenes. I always remember the crown. My, my favourite day was, you know, we were all very nervous and production were very nervous. It was a big new show, obviously. And we were we we were so confident about some of the costumes we've made, especially on um, Wallace Simpson. And our first scene, I think, was this wonderful um, party watching the um, I think it was watching the coronation, and wow. and it was our first scene day, and it was in the most beautiful set. And suddenly, all oh, the actors and the extras were in there. And it was just like such a picture, and it was so perfect for us. And I remember they walked on and went. Wow. And all the questions that had happened weeks before and going up to this day and all the worries that just sort of dissipated and they left us alone after that. We just <laughs> were allowed to get on with it because it's like, there you are. Now can we just be allowed to do our job? You know, sometimes you know, people get production get so nervous and so yes, but is it is it gonna be this? Is it, is it, it will it will be fine, you know, or it won't be fine, but this will be fine. And it was a really, really hard job. It was just I mean, it was such a hard show to set up. And it was so, I suppose, because the writing was so great and the actors were great, there was huge pressure to make it really wonderful. And it's about a family that everyone thought or thinks they know. So obviously you have to get it so right. And you can't you can't cut corners. You can't make things cheap. You, can't, you know, you, everything has to be beautifully done to make yeah. it work. So that was a really lovely moment. Um, and actually, I, I don't know, I love Secret Garden. That was beautiful. And that was a much smaller job. Um, but it was so hands-on. And we were sort of printing and cutting and making. All of us were sort of, sort of joining in. So sometimes I love those little jobs when everyone gets involved. Um, and then I love the big jobs when I'm just actually a designer, which is I do love drawing and designing. And I like working with my team. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you like the variety of the that the job affords sometimes. I think that I think that's very true. I, I'm not very good at sort of the same thing, the same same time every day. I love that variety. I love being able to get up and go off and think about something else and and just um, yeah to find find my way of doing something uh, rather than being told how to do it. I'm not very good at being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you may have answered this question actually in the in the previous question, but what has been a challenge that you've overcome? Um, in the sort of a job may, where you may have thought, how am I going to do this? Or a specific costume where you may have thought, wow, am I going to do this? But inevitably you always do it. But mm -hmm. there's always been that initial kind of like angst over it. Oh gosh, it's a tricky one. I mean, one of the reasons initially I left Games Friends because I felt I'd, I felt I'd done it really. I didn't feel I had much more to give. And then when I was asked back halfway through Crown, it's almost it unfolded for me. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And it just, in some ways, I think it stepped up a level, the design quality stepped up a level because I've had a break from it. I think it's often important to do that. Um, gosh, I don't know that, I mean, on every job there are, there are moments when you think, God, how am I gonna do that? Or if someone suddenly changes their mind or a scene changes and you think, oh, but we've just made all of this. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> You know, in a week you have to sort of switch it all around or they change an actor. It's a, yeah, I I can't think of a specific thing, but I mean, it, there are lots of minor, lots of occasions when it happens, but I don't, <laughs> I think we always get through it. I mean, I mean, for instance, like if we're doing, I think for the Queen's wedding dress, we decided, we, we knew that time was quite short, 
and we were hand, hand embroidering everything around the neck. But we thought, well, look, why don't we paint in the embroidery of the skirt and then embroider over it? Because in case we run out of time, at least there's something there. So you, yeah. you sort of have a contingency plan all the time. Yeah, I think we're really good at that costume, to be fair. <laughs> I think yeah. Yeah. Coming up with all these ideas. Um, what period do you most enjoy designing? Or if you were given, if someone said to you, design anything you want, what would it be? I love the 20s and I haven't ever designed for the 20s. I would love that. And But I would love to do a futuristic piece at the moment, just because there are so many new techniques and and um, ways of making clothing now, which I just think could be explored beautifully and to do something really, I think the technology has moved on so much that now you could do something actually which was incredibly interesting and, and new, new. That's what I'd like to do. Um, I think you're right. There's so many interesting things that we can do um, these days with fabric. And so you would have been privy to the script for Game of Thrones. And was that quite stressful? Did you get those people being like, what happens? What happens? Um, <laughs> how keep that secret? <laughs> it's funny. I think initially I was really, every time I read it, oh, God, I can't. And actually people weren't really interested in the first series. But I mean, towards the end, it, I sometimes got really scared that I might actually say it without realising I'd said it. <laughs> um, because also people, journalists are really bad. They really do try and get things out of you without you realising it. And I mean, I think on the last, I just, I tried to forget that I knew it. That sounds really silly. No, I can, I can, I can know what you mean. It, it, I just managed to close it off. And I didn't even tell my partner. I didn't tell anyone, actually. It was just, and I'm really bad at keeping secrets, usually. <laughs> I'm a real gossip on this one I think also the pain if, if I had done so I mean they were so strict with people and people were sacked for like taking a photo on set or something I mean Ooh. it was major I mean it was big trouble if you let anything go and by that time the security to get in and out of the buildings was just ridiculous but I, what I always thought was really strange is they built the set underneath the flight path coming into Belfast City Airport oh. So I, I have to say, if you're flying over or landing in Belfast, you had a pretty good idea of what had happened to the set. It was quite obvious when it caught fire, but it wasn't good. So I always thought oh. it was right. <laughs> um, and what was your, for that, because obviously it was a prolific show um, and you did so many, ep there were so many episodes in each season. How, what was your favourite aspect of that, designing for that show? I loved doing the women. I loved doing the strong women in that. I mean, I liked doing the groups of people as well and deciding, you know, what each area should look like. But I, I, I really enjoyed the women because I think they were such strong characters and they were also varied. And I loved the way of working out what was influenced them because their stories, the costumes told their stories very clearly of how they were feeling. And sometimes they couldn't express it verbally, but they could express it in the way that they chose to dress. So I think that that was incredibly good fun um and yeah I liked doing I liked doing you know, we had giants which was really fun. you know how I so didn't want to be wearing giant clothing it would be so dull so we I came up with this idea that their mothers swaddled them from birth because they couldn't find clothes for them so they just kept swaddling and swaddling and swaddling so oh. actually each giant inside would have actually had the first bit of swaddling still on when he was a tiny child so I just that's why they were always bound and then they'd put things you know they'd put bones or toys and they would just keep swaddling and swaddling so it was layers and layers of sort of this sort of simple cloth I quite I was wow. really pleased with that idea that's really cool 
I love thinking of things like that. I like to think, well, how, what would be a different way of looking at this? What, why would, you know, where would they get this? Why would they have that? And I remember when I was first researching for um, the Stark family, I mean, I've said this before, but I was sort of looking at German, Northern European sort of vibe. And um, I started just looking at trees and, and then what trees grew there. And, and I found this one particular tree, which was a hardwood, which they used for making arrows, but actually the bark created a blue dye. I said, ah, so this could be great because this could, and, and that's how the colors and the ideas sort of evolve in that, you know, by looking at a region and working out and what would they do in the evenings? You know, it's dark, it's cold. Well, they'd probably embroider. So make embroidery something which is a very much part of their culture and then basket weaving. And I looked into Siberia and the idea of they used to weave these sort of neck um, pieces to to um, to protect them from from the elements and cover them in leather. So that became the collars. So there are all these sort of lovely thought processes and I really enjoy sort of setting up that that look. That's really interesting actually I imagine you'll probably um, get a lot of questions about um, your design process behind Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, even even when we were working um, you know I've just finished The Kingsman and um, again there was something there there was a ball scene and it was a Russian ball scene it was an idea I mean Kingsman is incredibly stylized and so the idea of taking these sort of lovely Russian headdresses but trying to rethink them in a way that is lighter, maybe a slightly, um, I don't know. I mean, actually our, our period was slightly after though, after those big parties where they actually wore this these headdresses, this headgear. So we sort of stylized it and cut them in metal. And, and I just love this sort of, it, it has an essence of Russia without being anything you particularly have seen before. But then my, my reasoning, was to that is well how many people went to every russian party maybe a russian party did look like that you know so it, it's yeah yeah it was i mean if it was a serious film but serious you know historical reference and then i wouldn't have but because of the type of film it, it is then you feel like you can you can take these sort of slight liberties yeah i was going to say you can deviate away from the yeah. that kind of period as it were um so you mentioned earlier you sort of did the pop promos and the music videos and such and it was just you and your assistant or yourself yeah. how has it then been moving into a world where there's so many people in your team have you found it difficult or kind of not difficult but odd to sort of delegate out some of the things that you would have done yourself and how has that been I think um initially when I first my first got my really big team which I guess would have been Game of Thrones I had sort of I worked on a few jobs, but nothing the size of that. And initially I found it really quite overwhelming and, and incredibly stressful because I felt I felt personally responsible for every aspect of the show. And what you, as a costume designer, you have to learn to delegate. You absolutely can't do it. You have a very specific job. Um, so that took me a while and I was incredibly stressed. And and I, I just remember almost being blind with stress and just trying oh. to find and still making stuff, still sewing as much as I could in the pilot. I was still making oh, wow. a lot of the pieces. Um, and and slowly, I think over that first season, I, I began to realise I have to trust assistant designers and I have to learn to delegate. And, and I suppose actually the upside of that is you start realising that there are people who are better at doing things than you are. So, you know, cutters are actually better at cutting than you are. I mean, it's, I love having an idea about how something can work. And sometimes that 
that works really in my favor and saying, yes, but it will work because this is what we can do or understand a way around a certain issue, which is going to take too long. That's great that I can understand that. But really, the cutters are invariably much better cutters than I could ever be or ever could. Have. <laughs> and the same with embroiderers and jewelers. You know, it, I, their skill enhances my ideas. So to me, that it, it, you suddenly realise, actually, it opens up such a world and, and you can achieve such so much better things if you delegate and work with people as a team and also allow people input. I hate it when, especially between extras, go, okay, this is how I want an extra dress. Why I will say is that I'm going to do a couple of extras and show you the style of these people, especially on Game of Thrones, something like this. And I go, but now you can interpret and you can dress because everyone's individual. And then maybe at the end of the day, I'll go through people, okay, this is great. Because someone brings something else to it. Not all of them work. But I think it's really, it's always important to let people have an input into what they're doing, because then I think it ups their game too, and they become sort of emotionally involved in the job rather than just, you know, knocking it together. So I think that's really important. Yeah, very much so. And if you were going to give a piece of advice to a budding costume designer, what would it be? Um, Realise what you're not good at and delegate (laughs) that. (laughs) don't try and do every and realize what you're good at as well it's and also i just i think it's really important to to be kind to your team and work as a team it, that's it that's you know you you will get so much more out of people if you are kind and considerate as you can be i mean there are times when you'll be stressed too but then you can always apologize if you've if you've spoken out of turn if they don't realize why you're so stressed and you might have snapped but i think always apologize and try to make sure that everyone you know just feels okay yeah I think that's a, that's a good those are very good pieces of advice and this is a very broad question so um but I'd like to hear your take on it is what do you see for the future of costume design or films actually generally what do I see for the future yeah um it's interesting isn't it? I just did my first animation film which was really interesting. oh wow I think that that's something which may well become something we do more of, which it, it, it's an odd. I mean, I think I know other friends of mine who have and they've actually even made quarter sale costumes. Mine was just drawing them and, and research with an assistant and fabrics. But um, I think that's something which will open up. I think game design also could be the same. I've been offered a couple of things like that, which could be interesting. Um, it, I mean, especially in light of COVID, I mean, you suddenly realise how much we all need to be together as a team and I've been sort of trying to how do we do it where we're not all together but it's very difficult you know filming is a team sport you 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 thrive off each other and especially when you know on the camera you really have to be there so I don't know whether there's something will happen from this there'll be a different way of filming I, I can't imagine what it can be um I I think also, I mean, television has become so much bigger now and it does seem like it's such a big industry now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how film deals with that now that cinemas are obviously going through such a hard time with yeah, that's true. films. So I don't know. I think I think it is a time of huge change. I think also, you know, we've been so busy in the UK recently, given our situation now, I, I already know a lot of stuff is going abroad to safer places. So that'll be interesting to see the impact that has on our country as well, as far as filmmaking goes here. 
That's true. I was going to say, I think something a lot of people have kind of realised during this specific time is that we, I think naturally all of us have probably been watching more. Um, it's just the value of that kind of, we refer to it as entertainment, but the value mm. of being able to watch things that are made amazingly and beautiful and just being able to immerse yourself, I think mm. is something we kind of take for granted that the film, television shows, documentaries, anything like that is has a place in society. I think sometimes people are a bit easy to dismiss it's quick to dismiss it as a industry absolutely and I mean and, and documentaries are, I mean it's not obviously in there I love to work on documentaries they don't need the costume designers sadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I think obviously a lot of more documentaries will probably be made and also maybe smaller films will be made um, maybe that's that almost gives them a lease of life again uh, because these huge epic shows with their vast extras um, mm. They're going to be really hard to film um, for the foreseeable future, I would say. Yes, it'll be interesting to see how everything pans out. Um, so this brings me on to my final, most uh, my favourite question, actually, uh, is what are your favourite to watch recommendations? Well, that's really difficult. I mean, I have to say the cut of the film for me years and years ago that suddenly made me realise how brilliant it might be to do costumes on films was a, a film called The Colour of Pomegranate, oh. um, which is it's by an Armenian, Soviet Armenian director, Sergei Parajanov. Um, anyway, it, look up Colour of Pomegranates, that's how I knew it. Just there's something so beautiful about it. So that was the film that went off, you know, really made me start thinking very creatively. Um, and my youth, my film from my youth I loved was The Manifel to Earth right, with David Bowie. I just, again, it was something that really pulled me towards film. I just thought it was the most beautiful, sort of sad, I don't know, I don't know, beautiful film. Anyway, this, uh, I could say, I could name probably about 50, but that one. Um, <laughs> and then I also loved Beau by Claire Denny. And that was, again, it had just an impact on me when I saw it. And I just thought it was so beautiful. And again, a very arresting, very just a moment really so those would be my three um and then I guess sorry I, I know I shouldn't have more but Pina Bausch um, of dance and I find it so emotional and beautiful and I just think I mean she, unfortunately she died in 2009 but her work continues um her sorry her what do you call it troop continues and um it's just wonderful I love I love the costumes they choose I love the movement, um, yeah, it's just absolutely pure pleasure to me. Was she a ballet dancer? Sorry, it was. It was contemporary dance. Ah, okay. Ah, oh, that's interesting. But it, it's so stunning and so beautiful, and you can watch a lot of pieces on online of hers. But I mean, seeing it in the, I've seen it in so many theatres now, and it's it's beautiful. And there's a lovely documentary on her actually, which is really worth watching. Ah, all very interesting watches. Very diverse selection you have. Yeah. I could I could go home you list tomorrow. <laughs> uh, please send it. I need those recommendations. <laughs> um, thank you, Michelle, for coming on the podcast. It's been really okay. interesting. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Michelle. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to costume milliner Sophie Lamb. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow, or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram? Thank you. <laughs>